Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high-pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. On this edition of Meet the Manufacturers, it is my great pleasure to be speaking with Makerspace CT based in Hartford. I'm joined by Executive Director Devra Sisitsky and Operations Director Mark Colbert. Easy for me to say. Now, Makerspace CT is a community workshop and skills development center, and their mission is to positively impact lives by enabling access, innovation, and education. Now, I'm excited to find out more about what they're up to and what they exactly do. So, Devra and Mark, welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast. Thanks, Claire. Thank you, Claire. We're so pleased to be here today. Well, we'll see how you feel after the podcast is done, Devra. So come on, (laughs) let's kick it off. You're the executive director, Devra. Tell me a little bit about what you guys actually do. Sure. We are a community resource. We are a private nonprofit. And you were so wonderful at repeating our mission. We basically serve a lot of different sectors. So on the most genteel note, we're here for artists so that they can stretch and experience their craft into different venues, whether that's welding or woodwork or 3D design, textiles, there are a lot of different options to go in. We're also here for entrepreneurs so that they can work with various equipment departments, members, and staff to create prototypes. And we do a lot in workforce development. So I describe us, Claire, as at the crossroads between traditional skills and new collar technologies. Traditional skills being woodworking, welding, blacksmithing, plasma cutting, textiles, electronics, to name a few of which there are many more, and the new collar technologies to embrace the suite of industry 4.0 or 5.0, including robotics, internet of things, additive manufacturing, virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, PCB creation, board creation. So we sit right at that intersection. So you don't do much then? Yeah, a feet up, margaritas <laughs> in the afternoon, you know. <laughs> Joking aside, that sounds really exciting. What a really creative space to be in, space to offer people to develop and grow. It's an exciting space to be. We are very cautious about our culture because I felt strongly from day one that anyone that was inside working at the maker space and certainly our staff and support team would always need to be humble, brilliant, and open. I like that. I like that a lot. So you're based up in Hartford. How big is this this operation? I mean, it sounds huge. How big is it? We encroach on 30,000 square feet. Wow. Wow. Incredible. So 
Tell me then, I was going to joke and call you Chris, but I won't. So tell me then, Mark, <laughs> tell me about your role within operations. There's many different hats I wear. I assist Devereaux with, uh, you know, some program development and writing some educational programs. I work with our education department coming at our education programs in manufacturing because I bring a manufacturing and product design background to the team. And I share my experiences there in what industry is looking for and an educated, you know, manufacturing talent. I also oversee facilities. We make sure air conditioning, heating's working, machinery's up and running. We always want the facility to be a welcoming, open space. And uh, with that takes, you know, a great team, a good advisement, and, uh, you know, it's just a friendly, open feeling. So you mentioned there your background was in manufacturing. I was going to ask you about that, both of you, in fact. Let's start with you, if, if we may, Mark. Tell me a little bit about your career. How did you get to this point in your career and in this role? Sure. Well, for the last 25 plus years, I have been designing products, both in the medical markets, consumer electronics and food packaging. So I know a little something about materials, processes, what it takes to get a product made. And I feel like uh, my background is I've always been working with proprietary type products, patents, that sort of thing. And I feel like it's been a very secretive world for years where only my employees and my clientele or, you know, know what we're working on. And I was looking for something uh, unique and open to break down some of those walls. And, you know, maker spaces were getting popular around the area. I found out that uh, Deborah and her team were opening up this large scale makerspace CT in downtown Hartford. And I wanted to be a part of it and uh, sort of create more of an open source, open vibe to the product development world, share the skills I've learned, bring in the experts from manufacturing to help assist people that want to get their prototypes made, get their products out there in the market and do it and have a lot more fun. And uh, so I, I jumped in and joined Dever's team and it's been a wonderful experience. It's a challenging experience, but seeing people come in, looking for direction, looking for process education and how to get something made and being there for them, it's been enlightening. You never know what kind of talent's coming through the door and yeah. every single day is different. Exciting so, uh, work, really yeah. exciting work. You don't know what they're gonna bring to you to work on, that's fantastic. Deborah, what about yourself? How did you end up in the hot seat? So I am a serial entrepreneur. I am enthralled with fitting all the puzzle pieces together, whether they are location funding or HR and staffing to create an entity. I work in the abstract. And uh, while other people are so good at making art, making prototypes, everybody can be in our shop in the CNC machine and <clears throat> making widgets, I make businesses. And I was in politics for a while. I owned a newspaper for a while, was in healthcare for a very, very long time. My sympathies. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> then I learned, I read an article about makerspaces. It resonated with me. I thought, you know, we've lost our common sense. We've steered people in a direction away from being able to innovate or even repair. What does that mean for the United States? And I visited a lot of different makerspaces, probably about 25 of them around the country. And 
put together what I think is a hybrid because what has become very important to me is not only giving people skills, but giving them knowledge so that everybody participates in the economy so that people can look at their lives in a very different way. And the big question, who is our next generation and who's in the workforce pipeline? Who's moving America next? Mm, absolutely. And when did you open this this particular so operation? I signed a lease in November of 2017. Took me about a year and a half to build that space out. Met Mark somewhere along there. And uh, we opened uh, April 13th of 2019. Fantastic. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So what does an average day look like for you, Deborah? I mean, it sounds very eclectic, but is there such a thing? My arms just fell off the chair. An average day. No, there is no such thing. It, as Mark alluded to earlier, it's really exciting. You don't know what is going to greet you that day or where you're going to be needed. Or somebody's coming to you with a group of students that have never really found their niche and saying, we need to support them in some way. What you got? Pitch me what you got, you know? So we didn't open up being a space for students. We were 18 and above, but that has changed because you cannot possibly answer that question, who's our next workforce, if you're not even experiencing or showing the students what the careers are and what the career paths are to the jobs that are available in manufacturing. And it's interdisciplinary. A lot of these jobs are going to be not only in manufacturing, but in other vertical industries as well. Mm, Very much so. This podcast has been fascinating because a number of the companies that I've spoken to over the last year or so, one of the key questions I've asked them is, you know, how do they attract young people to the industry? Why should people go, I want to be involved in manufacturing? You know, how can we make it sexy and desirable and, and, you know, people to get be passionate about it. And one of the common themes that has come out of almost all of the podcasts is how innovative, high tech and exciting the industry is. And it's really opened my eyes. And certainly I hope for the listeners, the possibilities truly are endless. And with operations like yours, it really truly has become endless. You know, their imagination dictates how far they can go with these ideas. I think not only that, Claire, but it is incumbent upon us as CCAT, as Nerdic, as all sorts of manufacturing trade associations are encouraging us to embrace these technologies so Connecticut can remain competitive and take the edge on winning companies and products to New England, to our Connecticut states, that we must share these technologies, whether they are already embraced by SMEs or soon to be with our students. We have to show them that. We have to expose our adults to these technologies as well. You know, as they always say, it's not your dad's Buick. Well, it's not your dad's CNC operation. You know, (laughs) granted we have CNC, but now it's really important to understand how AI interfaces with that. Very much Or can you get trained through VR? I mean, there are just so many opportunities to look at. I guess it's building on also Connecticut's rich history of manufacturing as well. We want to be cutting edge. You want to be at the front of the race. Yeah, I'd like to expand on that just a little bit. Instilling that passion in someone that doesn't know much about product design, manufacturing, what it takes to get a product made. If you're not exposed to that early on, 18, 19, 20 years old, you don't have the passion to make something and use your hands to get it done. And um, 
I'm very passionate about this program because in the summer, we have kids ages 12 to 17 coming in to our space for eight weeks, and they get to experience all that manufacturing has to offer that they haven't seen before. And they're not getting this in some of their schools. And we feel like the STEM education we offer instills a new passion. And I've seen it happen with 13, 14, 15 year old kids coming through that have stuck with an additional program once they get to high school that we also offer. And next thing you know, they're designing and building products that, you know, I've been doing for 27 years. You have to start at a younger age. When we first opened, yeah, we we're an 18 and over environment, but our new sites are set on some education, but starting at a younger age for sure. And that's super important. Educating the next generation and getting them fired up. I love it. Absolutely love it. So tell me about the structure of the organization at the moment. How many employees do you have, Devra? We have a core group of everyday employees, and then we have a lot of teachers, and then we have a lot of shop techs and part-time, and we probably have a little over 30 when you consider all the part-time people or teachers. Wow. Wow. How would you describe that management structure and I guess the culture within the business or the values that you all try and adhere to? So I very closely curate the culture there. (laughs) I've been to a lot of maker spaces where there was contention because needless to say, people in this realm are smart and often are the smartest person in the room. And then when you get a room full of people that are the smartest people in the room, it's a challenging environment. I visited a lot of spaces like that and I wanted to make sure that this space was welcome and opening, not only to people that were really skilled already in CNC manufacturing or wood shop or welding or plasma cutting or, or electronics, but also to people that had never, ever done it before and were damn near petrified to step foot inside. So, you know, wanted to be welcoming to women, wanted to be welcoming to people that never thought of manufacturing or looked at it before, wanted to really open the playing field to everyone. So we very closely curate the culture to make sure that everyone there is excited. And when somebody asks us to do something, our answer is always yes, till we run it up against the wall and we find a stopping point that we can't solve or find the answer to. So we are completely open to collaboration because we believe so strongly that we are more strong and awesome as a state when we're with Team Connecticut. We're supporting all our residents and we're sharing that knowledge and supporting people. And I think we have to look at it as Team Connecticut these days and not my company versus your company, your college, your manufacturer, your whatever. We all have to support each other. Hey, I love that idea. There's quite a few questions later on about Connecticut specifically. So it leads me on quite nicely, actually, to local community relations. How do you get involved with people? How do you get people through the door and and able to explore this? This is as a project or as a business. How do you reach out to people in your local community? Well, a lot of people don't even know what a makerspace is. So stepping your foot through the door is super important to understand the culture and the business model. You know, we do have open dates for tours on our website where you can come in and learn, you know, meet with our digital media director, our shop team, learn a little bit more about what we're all about. 
that's super important. The fact that we're open six days a week and until 10 p.m. on some nights is super important. So you can come wow. in moonlight or work after work that's or play cool. after work, I should say. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so getting people through the door and letting them know what we do is key. Second, our website shows under our learn tab all the types of classes we have to offer. Whether you're a member or not, you can take machining, woodworking, welding, even textiles. You can come use our laser cutter and take classes without having to be a member. And that gives you a little taste of the different disciplines we have to offer, right? And then typically we see people say, oh, you know what? This is an amazing place. I just want to sign up. I want to be here all the time. And then they become a member. And that's important. That's another way that people start uh, learning a little bit more about our model and becoming part of the community. And then we have outreach. We certainly are in tune with what manufacturers need. They've come to us and expressed, you know, hey, I need some talent in this certain area. And we have gotten together with our director of education, our digital media director, and accounting, and we put together a program, make sure the metrics work. And next thing you know, we're running a program within weeks. It doesn't take months and years to develop something new. So now we're developing an, you know, an education system that's customized to the manufacturer or to the need, I should say. So that is different ways that we get in touch with the community and stay in touch with the community. In addition, Crex Schools in Hartford, here's a great example. They've come to us. Pathways Academy has come to us. Other middle schools have come to us saying, hey, I've got 30 kids that want to come in and learn a skill. What can that be? And we've developed a menu of programs, you know, based on age. We want to make sure it's appropriate where they come in and we give them a hands-on activity we explain how this relates to a real world career in either manufacturing or engineering. And we expose them to those different disciplines. And, you know, we knock that out in a couple hours, they go home typically with something that they built, they made some sort of circuit board and that grows. They tell a friend, the educators say, Hey, they've got something amazing out there. You should look into this to, you know, they say this to other STEM teachers, and that's another way we reach out to the community as well. Do you have something to add? Yeah, um, certainly. So also there have been a lot of corporate businesses that have come in and they want to have an event. So we'll do a soldering day or a welding afternoon for people if they want to have a team event. We also work with a lot of community organizations that are in the Hartford area and they come in and they'd like to expose their members to different types of technologies and learning. And we create programs for them. Additionally, we've had some manufacturers that have said, wait a minute, wait a minute, you guys teach welding. And I want to be clear that we're not competing with the community colleges. We're not giving anybody degrees in welding. But if you'd like to come in and spend three or four hours learning how to weld, experience something and seeing if you like it or if you want to join and work on your welding skills, people are very excited to hear those kinds of things and find out where there might be gaps. You know, maybe a manufacturer 
wanted to get into some fixturing, didn't really want to step in the direction of additive, you know, they can come in and learn more about it and see what kind of options there are to create some sort of fixturing as an interim step. So I'm thrilled to say that not only have we reached out, but at this point, three years later, people are reaching out to us. And it's a, I've noticed it a lot since we've been back together in this uh, COVID. Post-COVID. Is it? Are we? Um, World (laughs) that people are reaching out more. So that does a heart good after all these years, seven, eight years. You know, we're a stepping stone. We're an on-ramp. Right. And then we're doing something right that people are coming back. The word is out. And um, we're doing some amazing things that other institutions can't do. And uh, we don't necessarily teach to the test. We teach to the need. It's the maker philosophy. Just enough, just in time. Right. It's pretty great. It's amazing. It's kind of like you're offering a sweet shop for an inquisitive mind. (laughs) They can come in and try all of the sweets. I love it. I love that idea. It's like the pick and mix of manufacturing. You just mentioned COVID. We'd be in this if we didn't touch on it. How did it affect the operations? And, you know, what's been the word on the street, so to speak, you know, certainly about the supply chain issues, the chip shortage, you know, have you seen a resurgence in Buy American? You know, it's a question I ask a lot of manufacturers and they've got real extreme and differing experiences. So what was your experience? I'm not sure I'm quite ready to say post-COVID, Mark, but... um, Yeah, I know. I, th- I feel I was... Are we? Yeah, a bit <laughs> premature there, but we're well, wrong I'm with gonna it. Ju- I'm going to jump in and just talk about us physically, and then I'll let um, Mark or Chris answer the um, <laughs> other one. <laughs> whomever appears. But Mark was really wonderful with our team at Makerspace. And we closed for three months um, early on in COVID when everyone else did. And Mark and the team came up with and created safe shop protocols and polycarbonated us to life, right? I mean, up one side, down the other. We had polycarbonate on everything. We're we're now enmeshed and fossilized forever. But we were extremely grateful and lucky that we really didn't have COVID touch us from an illness perspective. What we did do, which was heartening and unexpected, was we tripled our membership during COVID. So people were certainly looking for things to do, which was amazing. They were looking for ways to engage with hobbies or looking to learn new skills. So that was really great for us. I will just, before I turn it over to Mark, I will just say from a programmatic and strategic perspective for me, it gave us time to really put together our curriculum and our programming and our business model. Although we had one, we really put our heads down and devoted ourselves to workforce development to create a really spectacular program that we have now. Incredible. And I'll turn it over to Mark to talk about COVID supply chain or any of those things that you want to. Sure. You know, what was interesting was it was a chance, the three month shutdown gave us a chance to get volunteers into our shop and we converted part of our shop into a face shield manufacturing awesome. assembly line. Yeah. You know, we all heard that everyone was 3D printing face shields and passing them out, but we took that opportunity to educate not only our small team, but volunteers that came through the door. We were all masked up, but we were teaching them efficient manufacturing skills by assembling, packaging, and shipping out 
face shields out of our shop. We ended up designing our own face shield out of materials that were available. You know, we heard about supply chain shortage and that was going to be a real problem. So we were able to get some off the shelf materials and we ended up assembling and shipping about 12,000 face shields. Wow. And they were all given away through funds raised. As a nonprofit, we had some companies step in and make some donations to us that allowed us to do that and get the face shields into assisted living facilities, hospitals, that sort of thing. Although uh, a lot of these companies went dark, on the contrary, we turned on the lights, created a safe environment, made an assembly line, and we were ramping up. We were going the other way. Once we reopened, you're right, membership, I think it almost tripled. And I think what happened was everyone was looking to get out of their houses. They had been cooped up for three or four months and they wanted to come make something. They had a little more time off. They were able to call their own shots as far as their hours are concerned. So we started seeing more people coming through the door, more do-it-yourselfers creating these new projects. And, you know, I think that psychologically COVID has made people rethink about what they're doing in life and why am I working this hard? And what are these hours that I'm working? I can adjust my hours. I can, I can be more creative. And we're seeing that there are more people signing up for classes than we've ever seen. Welding CNC machine and woodworking and CNC routing are all sold out for, I don't know, the next two or three months. Membership is increasing. It all seems like we're going the right way and we must be doing something right because we're retaining these members and there's more and more signing up. So I think the word is out. The passion is there for these do-it-yourselfers and entrepreneurs as well. And I think that although COVID uh, has not been the wonderful experience that (laughs) it hasn't treated us well, uh, as far as a makerspace perspective and the do-it-yourselfers and entrepreneurs, it's really done something amazing for our community uh, as far as makerspace CT is concerned. Yeah. And certainly in terms of like remote working, for example, I've been saying for years, you know, we can do this remotely. We don't need to be in an office nine to five, sorry, eight till six in America, but you know what I mean? <laughs> we don't well, need this environment. We, we, well, we, needed, we needed a plague to catch up with you. Thank <laughs> you. I've I think- seen, um, Claire, I've seen members come in, they're running the CNC because they're taking a class and they're operating it. Then they take a break and they go into one of our quiet rooms. And next thing you know, they're on a meeting for work. Yeah. And then they break away from that. They go back in the shop and they're working again. So, But, you know, most of the evidence is showing that people are more effective when given the appropriate amount of downtime and the ability to explore their creative interests. You know, you get more out of a human being if they're happy and balanced and content. So I'm all for it. I'm all for it. No argument um, here. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to somebody, a youngster, who is thinking about exploring a career in manufacturing and why should they? What advice would you give to a youngster who's a crossroads, if you like, with career choices? I think there is a way that you look at the world and how it moves when you have an engineering perspective, and I'm not saying go to engineering school, but I think that there's a way that you understand the world, why it is as it is and how it was put together that is extremely different than when you don't. But I'm just going to tell a little story here. Back in the prehistoric times when I was in college, (laughs) dinosaurs roamed the earth. (laughs) Before we had computers, I refused to take a typing class 
I wasn't going to be a secretary because I knew I wasn't that organized. I, it wasn't for me. And I laugh now because, you know, shortly thereafter, I had to get my first Bernoulli box computer. Um, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't up. either. <laughs> I've no idea. I'm going to Google External it. External hard drive. It was in the ancient days before you were in uh, out of elementary school, probably. Anyhow. Was I born? <laughs> I had to type, not, we're not going that far. I had to type all my quotes for my entrepreneurial ventures. And today there's nothing I can do without a QWERTY keyboard. All right, fine, whatever. That's just a little piece of ancient history to file away. But we are on that same precipice right now of technology where at some point people are going to have 3D printers in their home. And if something breaks that morning, let's just say it's your salad tongs and you're having a bunch of people over, you're going to scan them in. You're going to look at it and say, it would have been a lot easier to hold if I changed this design on CAD. And so you will, and then you'll print them out. And that's the world we're headed for. I so there are choices that you can make, whether you're going for a manufacturing degree or not, but the choices are to learn this technology because as we move more and more towards a gig economy, like people in my generation had to learn about computers, how to learn software, how to learn Excel, PowerPoint and all that. And we just had rolled off a DOS, right? So now we've got real like <laughs> packaged software to learn. It is, again, at one of those tipping points where people need to learn about AI, VR, additive manufacturing, CAD, because this is going to be interdisciplinary. And if you are in your own business, the more resourceful you are, the faster you will get your business done, get the things you want and accomplish your goals. Just an ancient perspective. I love that. You've enthused me. I've got to be honest, I feel inspired to uh, to learn a little bit more about the technologies that are coming our way before my son gets there and shows me up, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Probably already there. <laughs> Let's hope not. He's not turned one yet. <laughs> Seeds are there. Seeds are there. <laughs> so on a personal level, when you guys aren't working your socks off, what do you like to do to unwind and relax? I don't do much else. Hang on, we're pretty wild. Uh, well, uh, I'm big into hiking, always in the woods whenever I can. Really enjoy motorcycles, seeing my kids race, riding one. Cool. Love my convertible. Let's talk engines. Come on, what motorbike have you got and what car? I have an ancient that I got from this ancient hippie lady. Awesome. Um, <laughs> it's a 75 on off-road 175 yamaha oh and knock, knock knock the hippie lady off of it to get it <laughs> but um my kids are all motocross racers and have been since they were four or five years old oh so. brilliant fun brilliant fun and car wise devra well, um, now i have a cute little car her name is giselle and uh she's a uh, BMW 328 six-speed hardtop convertible. Oh, good fun. Good fun. Gets a little bit of use in Connecticut in the summer. <laughs> Got the top down today. Have you? You're one of those. You're one of those. Heating on stun and the roof down. Good girl. Uh, what about yourself, Mark? What do you like to do to unwind and relax? I like to strap a 100cc <laughs> motor. Careful. <laughs> motor Where's this dad. going? 
Okay. Uh, with uh, It's got a 42-inch propeller that's made of carbon fiber. It sits within a cage. It looks a little bit like a massive leaf blower. Are we and talking jetpack, James Bond style? Almost there, almost there. This is uh, not jet fuel. Oh, my god! But gosh. then I, uh, I fly a... Um, a 15 pound Dacron wing over my head. So I'm typically, if you look up and you hear a funny noise, it sounds like a moped. It's probably me over Connecticut, the Hartford region. <laughs> uh, so I fly, I'm a, I'm an avid uh, powered paraglider pilot. I also inspect ultralight aircraft and test fly other people's home built aircraft. Uh, after they build them in their garage, I'm the guy that brings it out to the field and attempts to fly it. Oh my so, goodness. Um, I'm best with my feet dangling over the treetops. Goodness me. I, uh, my mom no, would say brave no. or stupid. I'm not sure which. Yeah, well, there's nothing. <laughs> Precisely. That's as relaxing as I get because it requires every bit of, you know, white knuckle concentration. So there is no time to think about anything else. So when I'm not thinking about anything else, that's my relaxation. Right, that's meditation. I choose to spend the weekend with Devra, just so we're clear about this. I, know, I, I, I just want you to know I do a lot of entertaining and cooking, so you're welcome to. I'm very good at eating and I'm pretty good at driving, but not so interested in test flying people who've knocked up a plane in their garage. Thanks. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, it still sounds like good fun. Last few questions on a more personal level for you guys, uh, starting with you, Devra, if I may. More personal than what you just did? Yeah, how well, much I, are we going? Where are we going, Claire? Well, okay. you know. As far as you want. <laughs> Consenting adults. Um, what I was going to say was, tell me about your biggest success or the thing that you're most proud of in your life. Okay, well, I'm someone that doesn't have a favorite song or a favorite dance or a favorite whatever. So looking here for my biggest, I'm not sure what my biggest is, but I will tell you, as I've just mentioned repeatedly, I am the most proud. Of course, there are my children, so let's not forget those. But yeah. I am the most Quick proud. Quick caveat. Good girl. Well done. <laughs> you get better at that as they get older, Claire. I am the most proud, I think, having built the team at Makerspace. And Makerspace is a resource to lift up our community. But most proud about our working group and how we function as a team and a family and how that carries out to everyone. It's just, I've never been in a place where I've had this type of embracing open atmosphere, culture. So I was just saying that to someone the other day that I'm most proud of having built that. Yeah, that sort of environment, it aids creativity and also makes it a really enjoyable experience for all your staff, for sure. So what about yourself, Mark? Other than obviously being very proud of the fact you're still alive and testing other people's aeroplanes, what are your biggest successes or the things you're most proud of? Every every day is a blessing that I'm on the ground. <laughs> um, I'm going to go the, the kids route. I have a daughter that's um, Safe pursuing bet. a medical, a medical degree, but she mentioned just the other night, she goes, Dad, she makes jewelry on the side. And now she's making tons of money doing it. And she said, you know, Dad, thank you so much for letting me do anything I always wanted to do in life. Because, you know, if I was just only concentrating on one thing in school, uh, I'd probably go nuts. But the fact that I'm able to diversify and make jewelry and sell it and have a great time and be an RA and the social kid, she thanks her mom and myself. Now she's of the age that she's very mature and says she appreciates that we let her explore 
and uh, find her own way. And I have a son that's 18 doing the same. And he's really, in, he's a hands-on mechanical kind of kids down in Florida, pursuing an education in auto tech and auto racing. And he thanked me just the other day at 18 that he hears a lot about um, his friends that are pursuing a traditional higher ed education track, but we let him go his own way. And he thanked me just the other day. Thanks dad. Thanks so much. And thanks for showing me how to do things with my hands. And, um, Wow. And my makes, kids just thank me to get the hell out of the way so they can ride their motorcycle. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, it makes me think at 50 something years old, geez, did I thank my parents enough that I, yeah, did I, I was do just that, thinking right? that, but I'm really proud of those two kids and the, the job I've done. I, I don't think I did everything right, but they're growing into their own people. And I'm uh, super proud of that. Yeah, for sure. That's a decent bit of parenting advice for me. We will see. Come back in 17 years and see if uh, I'm as appreciated as you. Probably oh, clear. not. I'm already thinking about a program for your, your kid. Uh, really? Makerspace, so. <laughs> I wonder what we could get him doing. Get him in here. Oh, good Lord. You're brave. Um, last couple of questions then. Let's talk about manufacturing and the future of it in your view. What are your predictions for the future, Devra? for manufacturing in general and about doing business in the state of Connecticut? So I'm rather excited about manufacturing, certainly aerospace. I do feel we are going to be coming back with a fury. I think that it's great to be in Connecticut, you know, in the heart of aerospace land. And I think bit by bit, we're going to be coming back real strong. So my feelings for manufacturing are really optimistic with all of these new technologies that are coming on board. I think we're going to cast a huge net and I think we're going to be able to achieve technical highs that we've never thought of before. I think Connecticut specifically is well poised because we have brilliant minds in Connecticut. We've got a great work ethic and we are problem solvers. We still have the Yankee ingenuity given the proper opportunities and funding to execute. So my thoughts, I mean, granted there are supply chain challenges and I think we're not gonna see those go away anytime too quickly, but I'm pretty excited because I feel that there's a different air of collaboration in Connecticut. And I think there are a lot of people working to get us as manufacturers and entrepreneurs to be working in a direction to make it easier for people that are bringing a product to market to know what the resources are, to cull all our resources and to try and uh, move in lockstep in Connecticut instead of in our own fiefdoms. So I'm very optimistic about the inroads that we've been taking. Nice, super positive. And, you know, and that's something I picked up at a recent Manufacture CT event. It was the first time that I'd been in a room full of manufacturers and the buzz about the place and the interactions and the networking that was going on. You could really sense like a collaborative, like it was Team Connecticut. It felt like yeah. that. It really did. And I really enjoyed experiencing that because obviously I'm mainly one-on-one -on -one over Zoom and, you know, podcasting these things and learning about individuals' businesses. But to see them operate as a whole, it was it was quite quite an experience for me. 
Mark, what about yourself then? I want you to get your crystal ball out and tell me about your predictions for the future of manufacturing or about doing business in Connecticut, you know, because it's not the easiest state, you know, it's an expensive state to play in. I think that, you know, starting our youth, I really wholeheartedly believe in our youth education programs. We are doing a better job with STEM education and having our students explore new careers in manufacturing and engineering. And it really does start there. We are opening new doors for opportunity in spaces like ours, where people haven't had those options in the past. And that builds confidence and giving those opportunities to, to make something yourself. That confidence tells you that uh, I can do this myself. I really can take ownership in developing a product, developing a part or piece. And instilling that passion allows people to get out there and get a job in manufacturing. And it's no longer just a job, but you start realizing that you're part of a big picture. You're part of uh, getting into a new career. And when you take ownership and you know that you're playing a, a part in getting that, uh, that product to market, the work ethic changes and everyone's a lot happier and thrilled. And they realize, oh, I'm part of something much larger. This is not just a job. Shows like DIY Network and how it's made. And even as far back as Orange County Choppers, you know, you saw people with welders bending steel and making things. And suddenly, People were coming to my shop, my design firm saying, you know, I could have made that part myself if I just had the machinery. I watched this YouTube video and I, I think, and I look to them straight in the eye and I usually say, you're absolutely right. I'd love it if you could come to my shop and take ownership of that product instead of just me making it for you. And that, that's what Makerspace CT is doing. It's giving people the opportunity to take ownership of developing something. And that is infectious. It translates down to their children. Suddenly these skills translate directly to our engineering and manufacturing of products. And there's a bright, bright future here in Connecticut. And we're just a piece of it. And, and as long as we all play nice together and we give the people what they need and not always just teach to the test, but teach to the need, I think that we have a bright future and we can really pinpoint that direction of manufacturing any way we want to go as Connecticut. It really is exciting times. And I've got to be honest, I'm a bit buzzed up myself. I'm quite tempted to come up and have a play in Hartford. I'm going to come and have a play. Joking aside, if people wish to carry on the conversation, they want to find out more about you guys, the company, what, you know, how they can get involved. What's the best way of reaching out to you? We've got a website, social media, LinkedIn. Absolutely. We're very active on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, our website. At the top of our website, you can learn how to join, take classes. And the other thing we're always looking for is talent. If you have a certain talent that you want to share with, with the community or Makerspace CT, we'll write a program around that. So there's another button up there called Teach. So our website's always changing. So calendar there of our classes and, you know, that's the best way to, um, and it's to reach out. Makerspacect.com is our <laughs> website. website. Well, 
<laughs> makerspacect.com. Twitter handle, I believe, is makerspacect. Instagram, same thing. Same thing. Makerspacect. Facebook, same thing. Makerspacect. So the best way is makerspacect.com. Our phone number is 860-619-MAKE. Love it. Now, listen, I spent a long time working in radio. We should have had you making a radio ad out of that one. (laughs) Do check out that website. It's been an absolute privilege to speak to you guys today. Thank you so much. It's been a little bit different and it's truly exciting. It, It leaves me quite inspired for the future. And I love that. I love that. What you're doing up there is incredible. Check them out online, makerspacect.com. Easy for me to say. Thank you, Devra, Mark. Until next time, you've been great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Claire. Thanks, Claire. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT or you would like to join the organization, visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, advisory, assurance, tax. Visit their website, coneresnick.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify.